Good morning. Good to see you today. My name is Josh and one of the pastors here. Welcome to everybody who's online joining us. Really glad that you can be with us. You know, uh, one word. I just want one word from you. And I'm going to quote a Bible verse and you're only going to give me one word. You know the whole thing, most of you, but I just want the next word. Are you ready for it? All right, then you gotta say it together out loud. God so loved the world that he gave. gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, uh, we're at Christmas time uh, in our Advent season, and Advent is just a word that means arrival. And we're celebrating Jesus' first arrival 2,000 years ago. When he put on flesh, was born as a vulnerable baby, and uh, came to earth to dwell among us and to rescue us. And he was God's generous gift to us. Because God so loved the world that he gave, and you maybe know the rest of it, right? He gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he gave you know, at Christmas time, we, we love to give gifts, and we like to receive gifts, too. Would you agree? I mean, like to give gifts, like to receive gifts. Some people think that the tradition of giving gifts started with uh, the Magi coming to visit Jesus when he would have been probably a toddler, about two years old or so, and bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We, we sang that this morning. Uh, but, you know, I think it probably even began before that with, with God giving us life and giving us his son, uh, so I wonder, are you going to be like God this Christmas and give some gifts? You're like, oh, I didn't even realize Christmas was coming. I'm here to help. I, I looked up this week the top gifts of 2021 for Christmas. It just came out this week. It was on USA Today, and I've got a handful of them for you here. The number one gift, you know what it is this season? Apple AirPods. You know those little white uh, headphones that plug in your ear? You get some of those, you get some knockoff ones from China too for a lot less, and uh, you, know, you can give those for Christmas this year. Uh, maybe, how about this one? This was number two on the list this year, a Nintendo Switch. Kids, you guys are in here with us this morning. Anybody want a Switch for Christmas? Already got one? All right, we'll go on to the next one. How about this, maybe, if you're looking for a gift for mom and dad, uh, a Keurig K-Cup Mini. Just one little cup, get their own coffee, fill it up, plug it in. You know, there's, there's an idea. See, I'm trying to help. There's another idea for you for Christmas. Or uh, maybe you want something a little more substantial, not just coffee. You want a whole meal? You could go for the Instant Pot Duo. It's half crock pot, half pressure cooker, all together in one, you can get rid of the stove and you are set, right? Get an instant pot. Uh, girls, I wonder, any of you looking forward maybe to one of these? Barbie dream house for Christmas? Ooh, well, I got something for the boys too. How about the Paw Patrol city tower? My son would love that, uh, but we don't have room for another Paw Patrol thing. Uh, Maybe, let me give you one, uh, another one on the top. This was number 12 on the list this year, a PlayStation 5. And you can't really get that this year, so maybe you could put this on your list for next year by the time you're actually able to buy one. You can add that in there. But hey, do you got, do you got some gifts you're gonna give and be like God this year for Christmas? Uh, you know, the greatest gift is the gift that God gives us in his son. 
And, and he gives it to us. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you give gifts to people? Usually you give gifts to people that you love, don't you? That you care about, you wanna bless them. What's well, the same with God? You're, you're imaging God in that moment because for God so loved the world that he gave. And we're gonna see this morning his love for us. We're gonna see his gift to us. We're gonna see that he loved us while we were still uh, his enemy and far off from him and dead in our sin. He loved us so much that he gave his son. And so this year for Advent, we're looking at the generosity of our generous God. You know, and as we uh, head into 2022, uh, you're gonna be presented with an opportunity to be generous. So I just wanna give you a heads up on this. Um, you know, uh, last spring, uh, those of you who are members of our church, we voted to move forward with a big parking lot renovation and expansion, and that's coming in May. Uh, we're on the schedule for late May. And uh, after the new year, you're gonna have an opportunity, uh, if the Lord would lead you, to, to make a, a commitment of generosity to be like God in that way, to help us uh, help pay for that, to make this an inviting place where people can come in and, and meet Jesus and learn about him. And you'll hear more about this in the weeks ahead. And um, this is all I'm gonna say about it this morning, but I just wanna give you that heads up for two reason. one, reasons. One, so you know it's coming, you know where we're headed. And, uh, and two, maybe just to plant a seed, that as we study God's generosity, he might spark something in you to be generous with your time, your talent, even your treasure. And so that's all I'm gonna say about it this morning. And, but just know, we'll be coming back to that in the weeks ahead. So this Christmas, as I said, uh, we're gonna look at how God is generous to us, but be warned, be warned, that the more you see how generous he is, if you're a follower of his, the more you begin to become generous yourself as you image him. Because generosity, as we're adopted into his family, guess what? It's a family trait to be generous with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. Friends, God so loved the world that he gave his son, all out of love for you and I. And so today we're gonna look specifically at that generous gift in Ephesians chapter two and what all it entails. Uh, but before we dive into Ephesians two, let me pray and uh, then we're gonna jump in looking at God's generous gift to us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for uh, the, the ways that, that he put on flesh, that he lived the life I couldn't, that he died on the cross in my place, and that he did it all out of love for me, for the joy that was set before him because of his love for us. Uh, Father, we thank you for that generosity, for that grace and for your mercy. We pray you'd help us to be like you in that way. And uh, Holy Spirit, speak to and through me as I teach your word today. And might we leave changed and uh, might you be honored. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we've got some good news and we've got some bad news this morning. Which do you want first? Bad. Well, you're more like Paul then, because Paul started with bad news in our text. We're in Ephesians chapter two, and he's starting off this morning, the apostle Paul is, with the bad news. He writes this in Ephesians two. He says, and you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom, among whom we all once walked, among whom we all once lived, excuse me, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you see what Paul's saying there? Apart from Jesus, we're dead men walking. And not only that, but we're walking not according uh, to God and according to Jesus, but uh, we're walking according, uh, if we go back here, to following the prince of the power of the air, following the enemy, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. That was our identity. Apart from Jesus, we're, we're sons, we're children of wrath, children of disobedience, uh, deserving of God's wrath. Na- by nature, children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Friends, what I want you to see right away this morning is that God's generous gift saves us from eternal danger. It, it, it saves us. Jesus saves us from eternal danger. You're like, come on, Josh, I thought this was Christmas time. You just made a big deal. We, we sang a song about Christmas. We have the Christmas tree. I mean, Christmas is supposed to be happy and joyful. Tidings of joy. Have you, 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 know the, you know the song? Of comfort and joy, even. What are you talking about? Eternal danger. Well, here's the deal. We are called to believe that good news and to love that good news, but apart from understanding and embracing the bad news, the good news doesn't have a whole lot of oomph to it. It doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. And so we've got to start with this bad news, and Paul rightly does, reminding us, here's what we're going to see, is that God's generosity then saves us from eternal danger. See, uh, you and I, we were dead. If you're a Christian now, you were dead. If you're not a Christian yet... You are dead in your sin. Dead in our sin. Uh, Here's what he writes. We just read this already. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. See, he's writing here to Christians. He's writing here to a church, reminding them of their previous identity before meeting Jesus, apart from that gift. Uh, Now, for some of us, Uh, those days of the days when we were dead and we were walking in our sin are weeks ago, months ago. For some of us, they're decades ago. But nevertheless, if if you're a Christian now, you were dead. And you were dead in your sin in which you once walked. You were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Uh, that's, That's Satan, by the way. That's the enemy. Notice there's really only two options here, according to God's word. You're either following Jesus or, yeah, you're following Satan. And he's a deceiver. He wouldn't want you to realize that, would he? But this is where we all started. All of us. The spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, that's our former identity. Friend, here's just what I want you to see. You were dead in your sin. And the Bible says that uh, you need to be made new. You need to get new life. 
Jesus tells Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Uh, See, everybody on earth, we experience birth and death a total of three times, right? Everybody's born physically, everybody dies physically. And you get, to, you get to choose which one you experience for the third time. That's our choice. You can either uh, choose to trust Jesus and be born again spiritually so that you're born twice. You'll only die once physically. And the second death that Jesus speaks of in Revelation, uh, where his wrath is poured out for sin, you won't experience because Jesus did it for you. But if you're born physically and die physically, having never been born again, then you're going to experience death a second time. And friend, that's an eternal danger I wanna warn you of. And that God's generosity might save you from. Uh, See, because we were dead in our sin and you're destined for wrath apart from Jesus, because of your sin, because of my sin, apart from Jesus, I'm destined for God's wrath. Again, not maybe the most comfortable thing to be talking about at Christmas time, right? But we gotta understand the bad news if the good news means anything. The wages of sin, Paul writes to the church in Rome, is death, it's what I earn for my sin. It's what I deserve. God is perfect and holy and just, and he would be totally right to pour out his wrath on Josh. I deserve it. I totally deserve it. Uh, Because I was dead, I was walking according to the passions of the flesh, among whom we all once lived, talking about the sons of disobedience and the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind. And we were by nature, it's who we are, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And he's speaking here apart from Jesus. Now, if we stopped there this morning, that'd be bad, wouldn't it? Would you leave a little depressed going into Christmas this year? I would, if that's all there was. But you know, this passage, what we're gonna see that reminds us that God is an incredible and incredibly generous gift giver. Because uh, Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, he begins chapter two reminding us that all of us were dead in our sin, that we uh, pursued our own desires with little regard to how destructive they can be, and yet God loved us at our worst while we were still sinning, still his enemy. While we were dead and children of wrath, he loved us and he generously gave his son See, you're saved from eternal danger because of his generosity and you're saved by Jesus. We're saved from eternal danger, we're saved by Jesus. You know, uh, two of the best words in the Bible come in verse four of Ephesians chapter two. Do you know what they are? But God, but God. If you have your Bible, you might just circle it. Do you ever write in your Bible? You should. Jot some notes. What's God teaching you? You might write some things in the margin. You might uh, just circle and and underline things that stand out to you. Uh, This is a a Bible I haven't had for very long, but I've started to mark it up. And um, one of the things I even do is I mark different things in different colors. Just, I'm weird, I know. But you you might do something like that. 
but I'm gonna kind of mark this up today. But God, those are two great words, maybe two of the greatest in all the New Testament. You know, uh, look at what it says about him. But God, uh, being rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is when I don't get what I do deserve. Mercy is when I don't get what I deserve. Well, according to the verses right before this, what do I deserve? I deserve God's wrath because I'm dead in my sin apart from Jesus and I'm I'm a child of wrath apart from him. I deserve God's wrath, but God, here we enter in, but God being rich in mercy, being rich in, in giving us what we don't deserve. Well, why does he do that? Well, it's because of the great love with which he loved us. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave. Help me out again, come on. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. He was rich in mercy in in being generous to us and giving us his son. And notice, Paul gives us a little parenthetical statement here. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when, we, when, when Josh was living in my sin, even when, when I was totally jacked up, and I'm still pretty messed up, but by God's grace, he's changing me, right? But even on my worst day, God being rich in mercy and not giving me what I deserve because of his love for me, gave his son. Man, that's good news. That's such good news. And what did he do? Well, I was dead. He made me alive. He made us alive. He gave us new life. Notice it isn't, um, I mentioned we're dead and we need to be made alive earlier, right? We need to be born again. When, when Jesus told that to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again, uh, Nick said, how am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to, I can't crawl back in my mother's womb. It's impossible. Thinking he had to do something. Paul says, no, but God made us alive. He did it. He does it. It's all him. God made us alive. How did he do it? Well, he did it together with Christ. Here's what you're gonna notice in this passage, and if nothing else, maybe in your Bible, you might start underlining or highlighting these phrases, with Christ, in Christ. It's maybe the most common description of a Christian in the New Testament of being with Christ or in Christ. See, Jesus lived a perfect life, yet he died on the cross, not because of his sin, but because of mine and yours. And he rose again from the grave to new life. Why? Well, he he took my death so that I could have his life. Martin Luther calls it the great exchange. I, I wrap up all my junk and give it to him, and he wraps up his righteousness and gives it to me. He gives me life. I'm made alive together with him. And notice this, it's by grace you've been saved. Uh, If mercy is getting what I don't deserve, or excuse me, if mercy is not getting what I do deserve, grace is the flip side of that coin, getting what I don't deserve. Do you see? In God's mercy, I don't get what I deserve, which is his wrath. In his grace, I get what I don't deserve, which is new life and forgiveness and being made clean. See, he made us alive together and here's what else he did, he raised us up with him. He raised us with him, with Christ. We're we're in him. 
and seated us with him. Wow, so he took us out of our sin, out of the depth of our sin, and even uh, seated us with Christ, giving us, even in this life, a share of Christ's authority to help us battle our sin, to help us live the life that we're called to live, to help us, as we're gonna see here, do good works and be generous like God is generous. He gives that to us. Where? In Christ Jesus. It's all in Christ. That's God's generous gift. And here's the why. So that, and this, by the way, it all kind of points back to what we just saw, right? Uh, so that in the coming ages, it's coming, uh, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. The immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Think about the immeasurable riches of God's grace. You ever have anybody who's really generous give you a gift and Maybe that you, you, you get to the point where you're just like counting on that gift every year because you know they're gonna give it to you. Well, imagine one day, I mean, just think, maybe, maybe somebody gives you a gift of, well, let's just be obnoxious here. They give you a $5,000 gift every Christmas. They've done it for the last 10 years. Every Christmas, they give you this gift. But then this year, instead of 5,000, you get a $5 bill you would kind of come to count on that. And you kind of took it for granted a little bit, right? Well, uh, God's grace is so abundant that it, it never ends. It's the immeasurable riches. Don't take it for granted. Rejoice in it. Lean into it. Count on it. Because he's faithful to continue to give it to you as you need it out of his immeasurable of grace. And he's also rich in mercy, the flip side of that coin, right? And he does it in kindness. His kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. See, one day, uh, unless you're born again before Jesus returns, then his kindness, his grace doesn't run out, but the offer of it in this life ends. And then it's up to you to suffer under God's wrath. And, and you need to know you can be saved from that eternal danger by Jesus. He, he demonstrates this, all of this toward us in Christ Jesus. Friend, I wonder, are you in Christ? Are you with Christ? That's God's gift to you, his generous gift to you. And you need to know it's all grace. You, you might be thinking, well, what do I need to do then to get there? Believe? You're like, no, 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 what do I need to do? Like, do I need to you know, sell a bunch of stuff? Do I need to get some things cleaned up in my life? Like, like, what do I have to do to get to be in Christ and with Christ? Put your trust in him? Repent and just, just turn to him? You're like, no, but there's gotta be something. No, that's it. Because it's all grace, it's all gift. It's a gift, you don't earn a gift. If you earn a gift, it's not a gift, it's a wage, <laughs> right? If you gotta earn your Christmas gift, sorry to break the news, it's not a Christmas gift. Gifts are given. 
Uh, And it's all grace, it's all gift. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. And it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. See, the Bible refers to this as being saved, saved from that eternal danger, saved by Jesus. Uh, Being saved uh, just simply means that you are in terrible danger, unable to rescue yourself, and someone else rescued, redeemed, and delivered you. That's what it means to be saved. And notice, by the way, this is a a past tense. You have been saved through faith. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing for you to add to it. As much as you might want to or think you have to, there's nothing to add to it. It's done. And this isn't your own doing. It's the gift of God. See, it's all gift. It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. There's nothing you can do or add to it. And the reason for that is, If we did it, who would take the credit? We would, right? You ever been around somebody who's always just kind of bragging about the good things they did this week? I did this and I did that. Now, sometimes it's it's good to tell people about the good things you've done and it's encouraging to them and especially maybe you're, you're working and you're growing and to share those things, but there's a difference between that and just boasting about it, isn't there? And God said, I'm not gonna even let that be a possibility. It has nothing to do with you. This is all me. It's all grace. It's all gift. Why? So that y'all can't boast. And so that I get the glory. He so loved you, knowing everything about you, knowing uh, that place in your heart that no one knows but you, He loved you there. And knowing that, loving you, he gave his son in his generosity to save you. For by grace you've been saved, friend. By grace you've been saved. This isn't your own doing. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. Okay, well, that's great, but you know, there's, there's more to it because he saves you for good works. You're saved from eternal danger by Jesus for good works. That's what Paul tells us here. And this is God's generosity to us. Now, religion would tell you this. You're saved because of good works. That if you do enough good things, God will eventually say, okay, finally, you crossed the line, you did enough, you're in. Unless you really screw it up, then you're gonna have to do it again. The the gospel says you're not saved because of good works, you're saved for them. In other words, God does all the work, it's all grace, it's all gift that's given to you, and now because you're made new, now the good works come. You might have done some good things even when you were dead in your sin, not precluding that. I'm just saying the things that, that truly honor the Lord come after You've been saved. Those good works flow out of your new identity. And are you still gonna sin and mess up sometimes? Sometimes in big ways? Yeah. Until Jesus returns and totally fixes us completely. But he starts that work today. He started it now. You're saved for good works. So you ought to walk like Jesus. To image him. To be like him. To walk like Christ. 
In fact, that's where, that's where Paul goes as he's writing to them. He says, see, for we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, not because of, but for, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse six, that for anyone who's in Christ, they ought to, do you know the rest of the verse? Walk as Jesus walked, to live like him. That's what proves you're a follower of Jesus, your work's coming after your salvation. They, they prove who you really are, that you're growing in those good works. And, and notice here, we're his workmanship. I love this verse because underlying this word, remember the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and so it's translated into English for us. Well, that Greek word behind workmanship is poema. You're his poema, his, we get the word poem from that or masterpiece, or work of art. Tell me, what makes a work of art valuable? How many of them are there if it's really valuable? One, right? If you've got the print that says like one of 2050, eh, it might be valuable, but it's not as valuable. But when you have the original, the one, that's incredibly valuable. And friend, uh, Paul is telling us that each of us we're his workmanship, we're his work of art, we're his masterpiece, meaning each one of us is unique in that way, created by God for specific good works that he, he shaped you to do. He gave you your gifts, he gave you your abilities. Some of you in business, some of you in communication, some of you in, in art and design, some of you uh, fill in the blank. He, he gave you those gifts, the ability to teach. The, he gave that to you. Why? Because he designed you that way as his unique work of art. And he designed you that way because he had prepared for you good works. When, when, he, when you were only a thought in his mind, he had that idea in his head for you to do uh, that you would walk in them honoring him, living out who you uniquely are. You remember those bracelets from 20 years ago or so, WWJD? Do you remember those? I think they're still around a little bit. Maybe, maybe 25 years ago now, I don't know. But do you remember, what did that stand for, WWJD? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Do you know what I think a better question is as we talk about being saved for good works? Not just what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were you? If he lived with your gifts, your abilities, your talents, he worked your nine to five, he was married to your spouse, he had your kids, he lived in your neighborhood, what would Jesus do then? What would Jesus do if he were you? Because you are his workmanship, you're created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And by the way, when you do this, when you honor the Lord, living out those good works after trusting Jesus, there's three results. First is God gets glory. Jesus gets glory in that, right? It's a gift so that no one can boast, so that it's all about him. And, and other people get good. Others get good out of you living out those good works, when you uniquely live out who God created you to be in a way that honors Jesus, gives him glory, others get good. 
Maybe from your ability to teach, your, your understanding of medicine, your understanding of business, whatever. The, other people get good out of that. Your ability in, in construction and to work with your hands and others get good and God gets glory. And you know what else happens then? Do you find this when you truly live out who you are? You get joy because God designed you that way. Now, we could say this about so many different things, but how about specifically of God's generosity? Since we're talking about generosity, you know, when, when you are generous, like God is generous, God gets glory because you're imaging him. Other people get good because of your generosity, of your, your time, your talent, your treasure. See, we're not just talking money, we're talking the, the whole part of your life. And you get joy. Do you know, uh, John tells us at the end of his gospel that everything Jesus did that there aren't enough scrolls to record all of it. And so we only really get a glimpse into his life in the gospels. But do you know there's, there's one phrase that Jesus says that is recorded elsewhere in the New Testament, but not in the gospels. It's nowhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But in the book of Acts, quoting Jesus, uh, Paul says, uh, for you know that our Lord Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Why? Because when you give, God gets glory, others get good, we get, you get joy, don't you? In fact, Jesus, uh, why did he lay down his life? Hebrews tells us it was for what? For the joy set before him. His father got glory, we got good out of it, and, and Jesus got joy. Do you see? So here's my challenge to you this week. As you head out this week, uh, image your generous God who so loved you that he gave. And how might you be generous this week with your time, with your talent, with your treasure? I'll give you one example and literally only one. Well, and I'll explain here in a moment. Uh, so uh, over the coming weeks, uh, this morning on one of the trees out there, uh, during the first service, we had a whole bunch of these little ornaments and uh, it's an opportunity for us to be generous to families in need uh, with kids at Syracuse Elementary School. And some specific families, some specific gifts, they'll remain anonymous to you. Uh, this one in particular is a, a girl who's age six. Her shoe size is listed two or three. She likes purple. And the idea is to take an ornament, purchase this gift, wrap it, put this tag back on it and bring it back to the church here in the next two weeks. Uh, before December 13th, and then those will be distributed through the school to these families. And I would say as you do that, God gets glory, these families get good, and you're gonna get joy. Now here's the problem. This is the only tag left after the first service. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna see we about getting some more. There'll be some more next week. And uh, so come prepared, thinking about that. You'll have a little less time maybe to do some shopping. Uh, but yeah, the, the tree just got stripped bare after the first service this morning. And uh, praise the Lord for that, right? So uh, you have that to look forward to, to be generous. But how might you be generous just in life in general this week? Be thinking about that. Uh, because God was generous to you. He saved you from eternal danger, saved you by Jesus, and he saved you for good works. Let's pray.